When I went into that surgery to have my brain tumor removed, it changed a lot about my definition of success. And it really made me recognize that, you know, we get one shot at this. This thing called life, it doesn't last forever. You know, like when I leave this life, I'm not gonna take the money with me. I'm not gonna take Instagram followers with me. I'm not going to take business accolades with me. And those things as flashy and wonderful and exciting as they are, for me personally, it wasn't what success was really about. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. So if you're ready to join us in the hustle, listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end, the creative journey is all worth it. Natalie Frank is the founder of the Rising Tide Society and the head of community at HoneyBook. She's also a photographer, entrepreneur, writer, and educator. In this episode, Natalie talks about community ship, what the hashtag community over competition actually means to the 75,000 plus members of the Rising Tide Society. There are over 400 local chapters who meet in person monthly to connect with other creatives and learn from industry peers. In the episode, Natalie opens up and shares what the concept of success looked like to her both before and after surgery to remove a brain tumor. This is We Are Photographers with Natalie Frank, and this is her story. So the Rising Tide Society is a community, a network of creative entrepreneurs and freelancers that meet in over 400 locations now around the world in the spirit of community over competition, as you mentioned. And the community is free to be a part of, our meetups are free to be a part of, and that's all because it's led by volunteers. So these local creatives that just want to see their industry change, they want to see their communities shift from being you know, hyper-competitive and clicky and to, the, to sort of a new model of business leadership, which I believe is community ship, which is when we work, you know, to build businesses that thrive and we can do so without tearing other people down. We can do so while, you know, building sort of strong networks around ourselves that can inspire us and support us through tough times and, you know, almost transcend that business relationship into something, something more. And so the community was created by myself and my co-founders in Annapolis, Maryland, which is on the East coast of the United States. And uh, shortly after starting, we partnered with HoneyBook. We ended up actually merging with HoneyBook. They acquired our community. And ever since then, we've been operating from the West Coast in San Francisco. So I'm a lot closer to you now in Seattle than I was when we first launched Rising Tide. But that's also enabled it to remain free and to remain sort of this really organic location and amazing local meetups. And um, it's my heart and my soul. It is your heart and your soul. It's funny because it's the way that you talk about Rising Tide is the way that I talk about Creative Live. And, you know, one of my uh, colleagues here, Danielle Elliott, she is uh, uses HoneyBook and is a member of Rising Tide. And so the thing that's so cool for me is that she was able to meet her people in person. And yep. so tell me about the, the Tuesday together and um, how it is again, like what, what do you walk out of that feeling? Yes. So Tuesdays together is an in-person meetup and that's sort of what the heart of rising tide is. I mean, I think 
we kind of discovered very early on that there were so many great online communities. They've become the standard. They are what exists in the creative space and the freelance space and the entrepreneurial space. And they're amazing. They have so much to offer because they can scale in a way that in-person meetups can't. However, I really believe that getting together in person is crucial for our ability to connect, our ability to empathize with others. And when we're trying to break down walls around competition and, you know, sitting across from somebody who has the same clientele that you do, who's in the same market, very saturated market oftentimes that you are, if you're sitting down face to face and you're having honest conversations about the hardships of entrepreneurship. And we've grown sort of these roots in communities that make a profound impact. And so when you walk into a Tuesdays together, you're gonna to walk into a room full of people at all stages of business, from all walks of life, from vast different industries. This isn't just a group for photographers or just a group for designers or just a group for freelancers, right? This is a group that sort of embodies a larger industry, a larger economy. And so because of that, people will walk in the door with unique expertise and different sort of areas and, and niches that they're very skilled at. and it just lends itself to powerful conversations with great human beings who really care. And, um, you know, it's something I, I wish I had more of when I started. And that's why we work so hard to build it today. That actually was going to be my next question was, what's the why and how did it grow so fast? So the why is very simple. I was very lonely as an entrepreneur. My business was thriving. I was, you know, doing well over six figures as a wedding photographer, immediately stepping into full-time business. However, even as that business grew, even as I made more money, I found myself feeling more isolated. I found myself waking up, sitting in front of a computer, staring at my edits all day, you know, closing the computer by like 10 o'clock at night, going, going to bed, waking up, doing it over and over and over again. And there was something about that life that was really, really hard on my mental health, was hard on, on my spirit. And so when ultimately we launched Rising Tide, it was from that place of we don't want other entrepreneurs to have to go through this. We don't want this to be the norm. When somebody launches a business or somebody has a dream they want to pursue, we don't want them to step into it alone. We don't want them to be isolated from the outside world. And, you know, it really, really kind of took hold in the early days of Rising Tide, especially in how we communicated what we were trying to do because people were very skeptical about this idea of supporting other people in business. This wasn't, you know, the, the norm or the commonplace. Now, when I say community over competition, people are like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. That's awesome. They have no idea where it started. They have no idea that there were years that went by where people thought it was, you know, it, sort of a impossible idea. So the why stems from this, this sort of heartbreak and isolation, depression and loneliness of trying to build a business and feeling like you're the only one going through something or trying to struggle your way to the top or hustle in, in a different capacity. And on the growth side of things, you know, we leveraged social media and we understood the power of things like Instagram and hashtags and, you know, getting, getting social proof online and building momentum and then visually sharing that momentum. And it actually increases the growth going forward. So when you can showcase what you're doing in a really, you know, easily digestible way, people can consume that content and identify very quickly whether or not they want to be a part of it. And so for us, that involved, you know, sharing our local meetups, really trying to elevate the voices of these leaders, of just members in the community who were providing great content, and really work to use the internet to drive people from these online conversations into offline relationships. It generated this buzz and sort of, sort of virality, honestly, around RTS that 
I'm grateful for every day because it it definitely helped with the early momentum struggles that I think a lot of people face when they're starting a community or any kind of network or business. That takes a heck of a lot of motivation for all people involved. So how did you go about getting um, these leaders in 400 different locations to to step up? So I think the desire is always there. I think entrepreneurs, you know, for the most part, are leaders in their own right. They're stepping outside of the comfort of a nine to five to try to chase a dream, pursue a passion, do something that is sort of outside the norm. So we already operate in this hyper, you know, individualized high risk space that I think parallels leadership in a, to a certain extent. So there were already these amazing leaders amidst, you know, the community that were thriving and trying to generate their own, you know, local meetups or just wanted this so badly that when we came forward and said, hey, unite under this umbrella, right? We, we didn't, you know, try to reinvent the wheel. We said, hey, we want to host meetups. Uh, this is what the volunteer requirement looks like to, to be a part of this. And here's the heart behind it. Here's why we're doing it. There were just a lot of people that stepped forward and said, you know, I want this so badly and I'm sick and tired of waiting for somebody else to lead. Ironically enough, you know, I think a lot of people say, what, what's the motivation? Like, why are they doing it? You know, if they're not getting paid, why are they showing up and why are they volunteering? And I joke, I say, I have no idea. And I ask myself that every day because these leaders are incredible human beings that, you know, their time is so valuable. But I think, I think they gain something out of leading that is far more than monetary. You know, it's, it's, it's far more than even what they experience in those meetings. I think it's the knowledge that they're impacting somebody's life for the better and they're potentially impacting the legacy of somebody's life and the way their children feel about them and the way that, you know, they can build this business now and they can step outside of, you know, the path that they always thought they'd have to walk and the nine to five job that they can't stand. And now these members are doing things they never thought were possible because they're not alone in it. And the leaders know that that is the result of, of what they're committing to every month. And I think that there's something really profound about that that surpasses any kind of, you know, intrinsic or extrinsic traditional motivation. It, it's, it really ends up being so, I believe. And um, we, we've just seen that, that grow and continue to evolve, honestly, over the last three years as leaders rise up. They volunteer for a year. They, they kind of tap somebody new. That new person rises up, leads for a year or two. And, and we just sort of see this really natural growth and progression of, of the amazing leaders that we have. And we're so grateful to all of them. I love the word that you used earlier in the conversation, community ship. I've never heard that before. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about yes. this term, how you came up with it and, and what it means to you. I wish I could take credit for it. I wish I wish it was my term. I actually discovered it through a Harvard Business Review article when I was researching the concept of community over competition. Pre-rising tide days, I was just really fascinated by this concept and I knew, you know, we threw the name community over competition on it, but I knew it wasn't original. This idea had to exist somewhere else. This concept of 
you know, not just going out and trying to win for yourself, but instead thinking about the good of others. It's not original, right? It's not new. We were throwing a nice little, you know, branded hashtag on it. But the truth is that this this mindset has existed forever. And so when I was researching, I came across this article that talked about the difference between leadership and community ship. And it talked about how traditional leadership is, you know, sort of seen as one individual out to be at the very top of a heap, you know, climbing a ladder, trying to win. We have great leaders. We have poor leaders, but there's sort of certain elements about them that are, are the same, you know, and, and they're trying to be the one on top, the one seen as, you know, the, the guiding force. And we also start to see a distinguishing, you know, fork in the road here right now in this very, very moment of time between what is this influencer celebrity track and what is a true leader track. And there is a difference between being a celebrity and being a leader um, just as there is a difference between leadership and community ship. And I think it's important to mention because um, I today was just talking to a friend about this where people will throw the influencer tag on anyone with you know a lot of followers on a social platform. But a celebrity draws attention to themselves. A celebrity says, look at me and the content I'm creating and who I am and you should follow me and be interested in what I'm doing. And and there's a space for that. You know, there, There's a lot of entertainment that comes with that and that's wonderful in its own right. However, a leader doesn't do that. A leader actually builds other leaders, right? A leader says, this is a direction that we're going to go together. And I want to empower you to be the best that you can be in this space. So a celebrity attracts people to themselves and a leader actually does the opposite. A leader kind of uses their energy to funnel and empower other leaders to rise up and actually one day potentially replace them and surpass them. And there is beauty in that and there is not fear in that. And so you know, that that's ultimately the type of, of people that we've tried to, to kind of incorporate into Rising Tide and to lift up through Rising Tide. And it's this cycle that I'm, I'm interested in and I'm really passionate about and I've seen happen not just in our organization, but in many organizations. So let's talk about this word success, because yeah, I, I absolutely love your doodles on, <laughs> on Instagram. If you obviously if you're not already following Natalie, I'm sure you will be at this point. Um, but you and you call yourself a photographer and an iPad doodler. Um, but you're <laughs> You had a recent post that was about what success equals, and you draw out the equation of you know, success is purpose plus times yeah. passion minus failure, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you talk about in that post uh, that success is a very individual thing. Um, so I'm curious, what does success mean to you now versus what it did when you were running your photography business? From the time I was running that business full time as a wedding photographer to today, where, you know, my full time job is to lead community at Rising Tide and Honey Books. It's a very, very different uh, sort of daily grind, so to speak. Although definitely a hustle in both capacities. Uh, something else happened to me, um, you know, and this is worth noting because it influences my definition of success, and that is that. In the fall, I had to go in for surgery to remove a benign brain tumor that I had been diagnosed with you know, many years earlier and had kept very private through my business and leading Rising Tide. And so when I went into that surgery to have my brain tumor removed, it changed a lot about my definition of success. And it changed my outlook dramatically on what I thought about, you know, how my time was being spent and what I want my life to mean and signify and what I hoped my legacy would be. Because, you know, there is nothing like going through a really traumatic or really fearful period of your own life 
to kind of shake things up. And that's what it did for me. It, it really made me recognize that, you know, we get one shot at this, you know, like this thing called life, it doesn't last forever. When I recognized that I was going to be heading into, you know, a very, very major surgery, it just shifted a lot of things around for me. And it made me recognize that I couldn't take money with me when I left. You know, like when I leave this life, I'm not going to take the money with me. I'm not going to take Instagram followers with me. I'm not going to take business accolades with me. And those things as flashy and wonderful and exciting as they are, you know, for me personally, it wasn't what success was really about because I wanted to just spend more time with my husband and I wanted to have more, you know, girls nights with my best friends. And I desperately recognized that, you know, I've always wanted a family and Unfortunately, with my brain tumor, it means that that process for us looks a little bit different, not as fun and a lot of science involved. But um, I, I recognize in that moment as well that I desperately wanted children and I wanted that legacy for myself. Doesn't doesn't diminish how much I love being in business and being an entrepreneur and building things and, you know, setting goals and, and overachieving those goals. And I, I love all of those things, but that's not what real success to me looks like anymore. And Regardless of that, it means that I can't waste a minute of my time today because it isn't promised tomorrow. And I have to make sure that I'm spending that time in a way that's making that world better. And, um, you know, it it occurred for me in the fall. And ever since then, it's really shifted how I look at, you know, my daily life, how I embrace initiatives that we're working on. I ask myself that question, you know, is this initiative actually going to better somebody's life? Is this going to help somebody out? Is it going to let them pursue their passion or let them live into their purpose? And if the answer is no, I'm not doing it. If the answer is yes, then I'm doing it. Um, and and that, that's been, the, I think, the ultimate shift. What is it to be a 27-year-old at such a young age having this experience uh, how have you been kind of chewing on that for these past several years? And what does that change for you that it's such a young age? Well, there are parts of it, I think, that if I'm being really honest here, you know, are frustrating. I'm in the prime of my life. I am in an amazing spot in my career. And I had to hit just the, the pause button, you know, on everything for a very long time to recover from brain surgery. And there are still parts of me that are trying to still get up to speed and they never get back up to the speed that it was before. You know, I, I came out with complications like water diabetes, like essentially I'm thirsty all the time. And I joke, I say I have to pre- pee like a pregnant woman, you know, never take me on a road trip because we'll be stopping every 30 minutes because my body doesn't know how to retain water anymore. And so there are certain things like that, that after surgery have just been hard, have been frustrating. You know, I've, I've kind of been like, why now? Why when I'm 27, you know, in order for us to have a family, I've got to go through injections and infertility treatments. It's unfortunately, you know, the reality of, of what's happened after you, you know, destroy sort of a hormonal center in the brain. Um, and, and all of that, right. So bundled in there, there's a lot of honest heartbreak and a lot of frustration. However, you know, I also recognize that, I wouldn't be the person that I am today had it not been for the experiences and for what, you know, all of the things that I've gone through and I've gotten to see the absolute best of this world as a result. And I've gotten to experience this very deep understanding of how short life is, how precious time is, how important, you know, the time we get with the people we love is and how it isn't promised tomorrow. And that is, in and of itself is worth everything that I've been through. 
you know, there, there's not a day that goes by that I, I don't say I regret this whole process. And I, I wish I wasn't the girl that had this, you know, situation because I recognize that every single human being I meet is going through something hard. There's not a single person in my community who hasn't endured hardship in some way, shape or form. It might look different from mine, but it is still hard. So going through it at a young age, I think, has hopefully given me more time to live like that and to live from that place of appreciation and gratitude. Um, you know, and I'm grateful for that. As much as there's hardship and there are tough parts that come alongside it, um, at the end of the day, I wouldn't change a thing because I know that I'm a better leader because of it. I know I'm a much better wife because of it, and I believe I'm a better friend because of it. What gave you the courage to finally kind of share share your story with your community, with the world? The moment I recognized that I needed surgery was a moment that I never thought would happen. When I first got diagnosed, they threw around the possibility that I might need surgery. But when it actually came time and the surgeon said to me, you know, this needs to happen and sooner rather than later, I just felt this sort of moment of, okay, you know, I'm going under the knife and I've never had surgery before. Not even my wisdom teeth. I've never had surgery. And my first surgery is going to be, you know, brain surgery. Uh, okay. All right. I think I had this, this realization that like, if this was the last thing I did on this, I wanted it to be in the spirit of honesty and transparency. And I would never have wanted to go through this and not come out on the other side and had my community feel as though they never could have understood what I was going through. I didn't open up to them and I wasn't vulnerable with them the way they had been vulnerable with me. And so I just took that leap and I, I shared it. And I'm grateful that I did because I realized just that I'm not alone. And that just like when we launched Rising Tide, I didn't have to go through this alone either. You know, not in business and not in life. What are just some um, some parting words, I guess, for... What do you say to that person who does feel deflated, feels isolated, alone, to just give them that little kick that they need? I would tell them to take the weight they've been putting on their own shoulders. Whatever it is that they are struggling under, that they are trying to carry alone, set it down. Find a community that can help you to carry it together. I mean, that is really what community is about. It's not about the great Instagram posts that all these people are hanging out and having a good time. If you're in a position where you have been building something you are so proud of, or you're just trying to get off something off the ground, or maybe you've been incredibly successful and you're sitting there at the top of your empire going, I'm here alone. <laughs> I don't want to be here alone. There is no moment in your life that is too late to find community. I would say, you know, whether it's Rising Tide or a different local community or, you know, an international networking group that you're plugged into or an online support forum that you find comfort in, I, find a community. Don't go at it alone. You know, surround yourself with people that genuinely want the best for you and that when you're facing that truth and that lie, they can help you to see the truth. And maybe in those moments where you're struggling to decipher between them, They'll even tell you and remind you of your truth and remind you of how great you are and what potential you have inside of you. And at the end of the day, none of us should have to face life alone. And I think it applies to business. None of us should have to build a business alone either. Thank you so much for your time and just for everything that you do for lifting people up out there. And 
I just hope that you are receiving back um, all of that love and is you know lifting you up just as equally. Thank you so much for having me. I'm truly honored and I hope that, you know, anyone listening to this could grab one little nugget of information and I hope that it it helps and propels you forward. So again, thank you so much for having me on. I'm Kenna Klosterman and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I want to give a huge thank you to Natalie for sharing both her story and her words of wisdom. You can find all things Natalie Frank on her website, NatalieFrankWithAnE.com, or via her Instagram at Natalie Frank. You can also become a member of the Rising Tide Society for free and start connecting both online and with your local chapter in person. So just search Rising Tide Society or find the link in the show notes. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator and a photographer in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobby, business, or life, we've got a class or two or thousands for you to check out. So just head over to creativelive.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to We Are Photographers wherever you listen to your favorite podcast so you don't miss an episode. Most of us find out about the latest and greatest podcasts via word of mouth. So if you are digging We Are Photographers, tell a friend to subscribe too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another episode of We Are Photographers.